What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. Uh, we've got more basketball to talk about and a good basketball team to discuss. So uh, Hunter is here, and we're going to talk about that and then end the discussion with a little quarterback talk, which seems early, but I don't know. It was on our minds. So here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online and it's easy and, and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at Raider at primeres.com through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right, I'm here with the Bob of Texas Tech Sports. I hate that guy. Hunter Davids, I love Bob, And I say that because you told a story about, you know, you're just too good at betting and, and they, don't, they don't want you around. And uh, Bob, I heard a story that Bob suffers with the same thing. If he walks into a sports book, they're like, get out. That they is true. They don't. They don't Bob is like the example of, he's kind of, that I, I tell people sometimes people that bet or that want to get into like sports is like, if you beat the betting markets, you can get a job in sports. Yeah. Like you don't have to coach. You don't have to do anything. He's kind the of Maverick should have listened to example of that. <laughs> he, he definitely knows his stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Haralabob. That's for another podcast. We are here though, to talk about a good basketball team as we determined last week. A good basketball team that did have a bad loss. I guess we can do that first. But I think all of us were pretty, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but, you know, in the NBA, we talk a lot about scheduled losses. And that that was a scheduled loss to me. Like, if you win, that's just gravy. I mean, you're what, five games in 10 days? That's crazy for a college team. Am I just, am I soft? Is that, like, a, I don't know. Like, to me, that Kansas State loss was just Whatever. Yeah. I think the schedule def- absolutely played a part. And it wasn't, uh, you know, because you play games and, and you'll play three games potentially in three days in the conference tournament, but your opponent is two. And so, you know, Kansas State had been sitting there, watched us play on Thursday and had a lot of time to prepare. And they're not that bad. And that, that's the thing. We And we've seen that like their results are so heavily like they, they had to have been hit harder by COVID than anyone else. Right. Yeah. They, they missed seven guys from COVID over four days. And they also had just injuries. And, yeah. Okay. Maybe injuries too. I just know that the big story was like, they, they are finally healthy and now they've, now they have two top 25 wins. That's, that's what Kansas state Twitter is telling me. Yeah. And they, they have, 
you know, I've said it a couple of times, like I'm waiting for <clears throat> a team with like really good guard play to take advantage of us. And they, they had like those three guards who are good. Nigel pack, the little guy, um, Noel from your favorite player in the big 12. I like that guy. Um, yeah. and I talked about him, before, you know, before when I was watching him, like, Oh wow, yeah. this guy could give us problems. And then McGurl, Mike yeah. McGurl has been there forever. It seems like was he the and one they, that couldn't miss. Yeah, and they they took advantage. You know, they kind of made it. It was the first time I saw a team do that. But but it was kind of a, um, you know, they were making some deep deep shots. They made fifteen threes. Yes, they got they got a lot of long rebounds, and it was uh, you know, it was a four point game, and we get a rebound, and it a guy's on the floor, and it kicks off his foot and goes out of bounds, and you know you have a chance. And we also had, um, you know, a chance in the first half. We didn't play well at first, and then we got up by like eight or ten points with like a, a minute and a half left, and they hit two threes to end the half. And yeah, um, we had a chance to kind of close that out and maybe make it a twelve or fourteen point game. And who knows what happens? But um, yeah, this is just a we had a chance to really we would really have kind of a stranglehold on the first third of the conference if we'd have won that game. Being two and zero against Kansas and Baylor, you know, you'd be in first place. So yeah, that- two, two road wins. And that's why it kind of sucks. Like as much as I can say, like schedule win, like make myself or schedule loss, make myself feel better. It's like I was proud of the way the team handled Oklahoma State because I think we're in agreement. That's a good team too, and they they're long, they're athletic. Like they make you beat them. They like they are not going to beat themselves, and and you go out and handle them, and then that's why I, I don't think there was like a letdown against Kansas State. Like I just think you got beat. And I think there's something to be said for the fact that like you didn't look like yourself. You weren't taking charges. You weren't playing with the same intensity on either end. You were trying to integrate a guy who was like basically like Terrence Shannon was basically your offense last year, a lot of it. And now you're trying to integrate him into something that was rolling. I just think there were a lot of factors that and we didn't play that well. We didn't have any, you know, nobody played well except Bryson. Right. Yeah. You know, when you compare it to the, their win against Texas, Texas had multiple guys play well in that game, and they lost to him at home. Yeah. Um, we didn't. His car was awesome in that game. Yeah. And, and then we just really had Bryson. I mean, McCullough had five turnovers. Yeah. He missed six two point shots. Was there, you know, was there anything? Had, the turnovers was the rebounds to me were just like when a team shoots a lot of threes, it's just what happens. Like there's a bunch of long rebounds, but the turnovers, was there something they were doing that? forced us into those because i mean i was joking at the beginning of the game texting you i was like we need to measure this court this doesn't seem regulation size like they they seemed like they were like you know the court was smaller and they were using that to their advantage but i don't know if they were it was just the intensity thing where we had played a bunch of games and they hadn't i think that that might have been it also just they like i said kind of their guards I, i think maybe took advantage of our lack of having you know kind of the guard who can settle everything down and just not turn the ball over um, right. because arms and McCuller and uh, you know Clarence all had three or more turnovers in the game we, we turned it over on 27 percent of our possessions and they had an offensive rebound on 30 percent of their missed shots it's like the math gets tough when you right. when when that's happening you know we take 48 shots and they take 56 or yeah 56 yeah it just yeah it's hard you gotta you gotta play extremely well to overcome that, and we had and nobody played well except Bryson. 
is there is the worst part of that loss that Bruce Weber got a win? I don't. I'm, I'm not a anti Bruce Weber guy. Are you serious? How can you Man. not be? That guy is a, a just as a psych. Like he gets to do whatever he wants. Like I swear he was playing defense on some possessions on when, like on their side of the court. It drives me abs. Like seeing Mark Adams there. Like some people get mad at Mark Adams like stoicism. I would much rather that than that dude going absolutely ballistic. I don't know. It drives me insane, but yeah. I guess he's not my favorite. <laughs> he's not my favorite, but he's not. I really like all the coaches. Like I love Huggins. He's just like his press conferences. I mean, you ever listen to him? I mean, I, what was it? I heard the one, I mean, I've heard the one where he got mad at us for the water or the celebrating. And then I heard the one where he was talking about like Austin isn't a tough place to play. Those are like the only two I've really heard. His press conferences are amazing. He just, he like whispers and he's like, sounds like he's a hundred feet from the microphone. (laughs) I mean, I love him, but you know, I was listening to uh, the coach's show and Jeff Haxton was talking about telling like, I guess McCuller, you know, what do you expect when you see West Virginia? They, they hack you, they foul you. And they, they really, they don't anymore. They've totally changed. They don't press. They may still, I'm sure they still guard you really hard, but they're not, they don't foul you anymore. Like they used to, they don't have a bunch of bigs like they used to. Um, So it's a, it's not your typical West Virginia team. And I, honestly, it just like that style of play just, uh, quit working when I think in the conference why do you that's like to me it was one of like their biggest advantages like it was almost like playing your beloved triple option team where like you almost had to have a whole week of practice just to prepare like I guess when you see it so many times year after year it doesn't really matter is that that type of deal because I I always liked it not that when we played against it but I liked that it was kind of their thing I guess yeah and you know they had that guard who's in the NBA Javon um javon carter javon carter yes yeah so So maybe kind of a personnel thing but you know people talk for some reason it's it's cool now to dog on tech um at being a bad job and tough to recruit to but they don't really get high level players right inside they they had that one who's that one that like huggins just like said don't play (laughs) at the end of last season you know i'm talking about big yeah he was at kentucky i just watched him the other night that's Um, right that's right can't even think of his name yeah that guy's good yes um so yeah, they don't. They're they're kind of like how Tech or the rest of the league is now, where you just get whoever can play. You know, not like the the high level high school guys. Um, but I hadn't really I hadn't really dove into them that much. I mean, they seem good. They got they got athletes, but at the same time, they're like one of the worst teams in the conference. Right. But that's yeah. Still- Who had Baylor on the ropes? Yeah. But I guess before we really get into them, you know, the Iowa State win was. Like I could my I didn't watch it live because my ESPN was being weird, but I mean it sounded like you know I was kind of living the game through you and Ben's text, and it was like a like a basically like an ugly you know it's kind of an overused phrase but a rock fight in college basketball, but it seemed I mean it ended up being kind of like a cathartic win like it just it, there was like a release valve at some point and it was just like. I mean, you're up 20 with what two minutes left out of out of kind of nowhere. Yeah, I think it's a or it was a game you kind of play as a this is why we're good highlight because it was um, a slow and methodical. We just leaned, you know, they're they're a good team and we just yeah. slowly just shut the door um, 
with them kind of clawing at it to try to keep us from doing it. And it just, they they really had no chance. And the, but what, you know, the first half was close. And then the second half, um, they could not stay in front of us. Yeah. I mean, that they can complain about the free throw disparity and the fouling, but I mean, they, they just weren't guarding us and right. they were having to hack us after we beat them to the rim. And it was like a common, it was, didn't matter who it was. It was like McCuller, Warren, Arms, Nadalny. Um, they couldn't guard us. And then when, if we, when we missed our shot, Kevin O'Banner got the board and put it back up. It's so wild. Like you signed that guy to be like a dead eye shooter. Like you were going to space the floor. We're going to be like on a release. Like you're going to be, we're going to be able to throw it to you and, and, you know, at least get a high percentage shot because of the way you could shoot from distance. And it turns out he can't shoot anymore, but he's the best rebounder I've ever seen. Yeah. He's just, he's a hustle guy. Yeah. He really is a, a dogged rebounder. And he, you know, he fouled out just hit, like pure hustle caused uh, their big George Condit to foul out on a, on a free throw box out. It was kind of a chinchy foul, but it was just because O'Banner was beating him to the backboard every time. And he was like tired of it. And so he pushed <laughs> him, slightly pushed him. Right. But, you know, it's a, and the thing about him is, we you know, if, if we can get Terrence Shannon going, which would be nice. Uh, we have just a lot of, we don't have anybody that's elite at rebounding. We just have a lot of good ones. And so I think it makes O'Banner that much more difficult because he's probably not the top priority to box out. Yeah. Like, that's, that's you know, a good McCuller, point. even like Clarence, who's a, you know, your guards have to be like aware of him, Bryson, um, you know, a lot of our guys, obviously Marcus. And so I think O'Banner can kind of take advantage of that. Yeah, the uh, the thing that struck me about the game, well, for one, like you just look at the bat, you just look at the the box score, and it's one team is nineteen percent from three, and the other is eighteen percent from three. It's just like what 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 year is it, you know? Um, but it like you score seventy two points, and you 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 made three three pointers, you know, like that. I think we've, there's been a lot of, and we've talked about the offense a lot on this podcast, but I, and you mentioned like, we're trying to get by you. And I don't know if that was always the focus in years past. Like it was like, move the ball, try to find an open shot. It was, you know, we are like using the athletic, the athleticism that we've talked about on this podcast that like, we just have athletes over there. We're using that to basically put defenses in a bind um, instead of the scheme. And I think, you can see that by we're able to score, even though we can't shoot. Yeah, I agree. And I think you have more um, guys on the floor at the same time who can do it, which makes it much more difficult to defend. And, and last year we did it. We, we kind of went to it last year too, but we couldn't finish at the rim. I mean, it was, it was brutal. Um, Kyler and PV and McClung, you know, they were just, um, I don't know what was wrong going on with Kyler. He should, he should have been able to, but McClung was just kind of small. So yeah. that limited his ability. And I, and like every time in, in the portal, like when we would land Warren or when then we got arms and then we would get Bryson, I would look and they would, they were all like 70% around the basket, you know? Yeah. And I'm just in the, that was something that was just broken about last year's team. And it's like, I think Adams identified that and was like, okay, we're, that's not going to be a problem this year. And it's not, I mean, we are finishing shots around the basket. Yeah. That's actually, that's a really good point. Um, I mean, you could argue that killed, like 
that killed the Arkansas game. Like it seemed like there were two shots at the rim to win it and you miss both. <laughs> like if I remember that game correctly in the tournament. Um, so that's, yeah, that's an interesting point. The, uh, the other thing that I noticed about the Iowa state game was just like, I know it's been talked about and you kind of mentioned it about, you know, it's been a popular thing to talk about how Lubbock is or tech is the worst job, but that arena was incredible. I've, I mean, I I don't know how we lose at home. I mean, I really don't. I mean, what that was, that was Tuesday, right? Yeah. Tuesday night, Lubbock, Texas. And that thing was packed. And not only was it packed as like people were there to have a good time. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a violent type loud. Yes. It's a kind of a, if it was, it's a, makes your kind of skin crawl. If you're, I imagine if you're the other team, it's not like a cordial respectful <laughs> that you might find, you know, like a Duke or um, even like maybe Iowa state or something. Some of these like Indiana, some of these basketball Mecca type places where they're, right. they're like are you know, love of the game. It's in, and really understand the, the, the game. <laughs> like our, our fans are just, it's almost kind of like, I mean, we're a football school that, right. that, uh, has kind of fallen in love with basketball and we shoot, you know, it's a football type atmosphere. It that, seems yeah. Like. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That actually is perfect. Like you, it almost like football to me, there are, there are like rhythms and um, ebbs and flows to football that are very different from basketball, but our crowd <laughs> yeah it reacts like a football game like almost like every play every every quarter or i guess in half is like life or death like there is no there's no room for error is how you feel like as a football crowd and the basketball crowd feels that same way almost which i think is a good thing um, and i don't you know it'll be interesting because i was i wanted to try to come up with a line on like will we lose a home game this year yeah and so it's kind of the and I was trying to determine, you know, trying to think about like what the spreads would be and for the rest of the games. And it's almost based on what I didn't do it, but based on what I was kind of looking at every game we play from here on out, except for the Baylor game, we have, we will have some somewhere between like a 75, 80% chance of winning, which is just in the big 12. That's, that's pretty good. But the Baylor one is close to a pick them is what I, it, I would make it. And so that, but I don't, it'll be interesting to see if we are an underdog at home. I don't, think we will be again we might against Baylor it might yeah be, that, that would be close. that would be the only one um preseason top five uh Texas we probably won't be an underdog to them uh yeah that, that's a, that's an interesting interesting thought we have on Ken Palm we've got the uh the third or fourth toughest we've got the third or fourth biggest home court advantage with the ones above us being like all crazy elevation schools like you know colorado and yeah air, air force and stuff like that i mean we're yeah it's the toughest i mean i don't know there's there's there really honestly may not be a, a tougher place to play that's it's just wild like i mean compared to when i went to school and you basically went to see kansas play like you didn't you didn't go to watch tech compete you went to like oh kansas is in town yeah i'll go watch kansas because it's you know, tech isn't going to beat them. So it's just wild to see uh, how far they've come. Something you posted on the board that I thought was interesting is uh, now the, the uh, Clarence, I'll just say Clarence is in uh, the best offensive lineup we have. Yeah. And it's, it's close. And he's also not the one 
that's scoring when hey i don't need it. but there could be something there uh and a, a lot of it came from the kansas game when he was in and we were bryson was just killing him yeah um and and there's a lot of made threes from arms that's propping that up in there but he is i mean it's just uh surprising and he's also killing it uh def- defensively yeah, I mean, it's, it's he's his guy is scoring four point four two nine points per possession. So Tech has the number two defense in the country, and he is allowing points at half the rate that our number two rated defense is. Wow, I mean, I think nuts. I think there's something to be said for a ball mover, like a guy who doesn't necessarily score, even though Clarence has showed he, he could do it, um, and a guy who you know, is necessarily like leading the offense. Like I'm going to run this play. I'm going to set you up. If the ball goes to Clarence, he's, he's nine times out of 10 going to put it where it needs to be next, whether that's a shot, a drive or to the next guy over. And I think there's, I do think there's something there if he's involved, you know, in the best offensive lineup. I agree. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I wish he could make jump shots, but, but he is, he is finishing. I, I noticed he's like top five, um, through through six games in the conference and two point field goal percentage. So even even he kind of looking at our how poor we were last year. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder if he should have played more on last year's team because right. he when he like we've talked about it before here. I mean, when he goes to the rim, whoever is going to challenge him, it's they have to make a serious decision that involves <laughs> bodily injury to him or. Clarence. I mean, it's them versus Clarence, and he wins most of those collisions. He, yeah. And in fact, yeah. I've never seen a play like that one against Iowa State where he got the rugby tackle and he got called for a charge. Okay. Speaking of Iowa State and Clarence, I, I saw this today uh, when I rewatched it and I wanted to point it out. And I talked about this on the last podcast that they have neutered our Frenchman to the point. Where Clarence, or sorry, where you know uh, TJ gets that alley oop from McCuller, and instead of celebrating, he is so scared of getting a technical foul, he runs and grabs the ball and meekly hands it to the official while everybody that. else is going nuts. That's Did you also notice that Clarence was not on the on the floor for that? He came <laughs> from the bench. That's right. <laughs> he, he wasn't even playing, <clears throat> and yet immediately, he, like he's the one in the middle of the floor picking up the ball. Handing it to the ref, so maybe, uh, maybe that's why. Okay, well, uh, maybe, maybe my theory is not fully fleshed out, but when I saw that, my heart, my heart sank some. So I, I appreciate that. Um, one thing I was going to ask you though is, you know, we've talked a lot about the shooting problems, and yet it really hasn't, both free throw and outside, it really hasn't affected the offense so far. So what do you think? What do you think basically comes first? Like, do you think the shooting comes around or do you think our offense maybe comes down to earth a little bit? Like, what do you see more? Good question. Um, I'd, I'd definitely like to think it's, it's the shooting. Um, and I, it, it seems like we're missing open shots too. Yeah. So it's not, it'd be one thing if we're, we're missing a bunch of shots that we're not open because it's, we're kind of selective. We're not forcing jump shots. So um, whereas I think the, cause teams are shooting worse against us. Right. But I think there's more signal in that because it, they're number one, they're taking like three times more jump shots than we are. 
And so they're, that indicates they're forcing them more. It also is a larger sample size. So it's more predictive going forward. You know, we, we allow the most three point field goal attempts in the country. And so our, the shooting percentage against us has <clears throat> more predictive value going forward than the opposite end of the spectrum, the team that's allowing the fewest, you know, whatever their percentage is. Right. Um, a team like us, maybe that doesn't take that many. Um, so I think there's more signal in our defensive field goal percentage allowed uh, than there is in what, how we're shooting. And then I also just think, you know, if you just look at our, the guys that are missing um, shots, they don't, they're not bad shooters. Right. Yeah. So O'Banner oh, is 25% in conference. It's ridiculous. I can't, I, it's crazy to me that we're four and two and he's not doing anything from beyond the, beyond the arc. It's crazy. That what do you, do you think? Is, is there anything to that? Like, it just doesn't make because he can't shoot free throws either. I don't, yeah, he was a 90, he missed 15 free throws last year on like 120 attempts. I don't, I don't understand. I, I wish, I wish there was like something we could point to that was like, here's why his, like, his shot has changed. He's doing this with his elbow. He's, his hand placement is off. Like, his, his jump is, I wish there was something we could point to because it's, it's frustrating seeing a guy who you brought in to be the shooter. And he, just, the good news is, it's not like he's kind of a newer player to where uh, if nobody knew who he was and he had shot the way he has been, teams like wouldn't respect him. And so they'd be sagging off of him and, you know, kind of affecting the rest of the guys. Like it's not like teams are still going to guard him. I mean, nobody's going to just let him shoot. Right. So even though there is that aspect to it, I mean, he still has a reputation um, as a shooter. So people are going to be very, very keen on, on where he is. So that's, one positive, I guess, about yeah, him not no, shooting well. I mean, there's there's guys who I know who like are NBA analytics guys who say the threat of shooting is just as important as the shot themselves Definitely. for the offense, and so it makes sense. Um, but Bryce, speaking of shooting, though, I mean, we the guy who's leading our team and is top. I think he's like maybe tenth in the big, maybe even better than that. I think he's like tenth or fifteenth in the, in terms of the whole season in the big 12. And then he's maybe like top 10, maybe even like top five in, in terms of the first six games is Bryson. And it's, I mean, he is a legitimate threat. And, and it's a, I was listening to Chris level on tech talk. I asked them, you know, like when's the last time we had a big that could score as well as Bryson. Yeah. And they were like just racking their brains. And he eventually said uh, Jordan Tolbert. And I agreed. I think that's, a, I mean, that's going back a long time. And then even before that, you're going to go back a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's, um, he's a serious problem. And his coaches show that they kind of, we kind of changed the offense a couple weeks ago to kind of feature him more, which is interesting. Cause that was like right in the midst of his slump. Yeah. Was in, yeah. Uh, and it's worked and, okay. and we just need to keep going to it. I was going to ask what, like, cause he looked like a bust to be completely honest early in the year after we played, you know, the the cupcakes at the beginning of the schedule and so i wondered if it was like a change in him or a change in what we were doing so it's interesting that it i find it comforting and you talk about this all the time that we have a staff full of coaches who coach and so it's awesome to see that like that was one of those things you know that they obviously we need to get this guy involved more and they you know plan the offense to do that yeah uh, I, I hadn't noticed it really but adam's made it sound like we have drastically changed our offense yeah. in the last couple of weeks. 
well, I mean, if it was to get him rolling, good job. You know, whoever yeah. came up with that plan. Um, go ahead. Well, and I guess just kind of segue with offense and getting people rolling would be Terrence Shannon, who just, you know, it's frustrating with him because I think, I don't know if this is true. It just kind of feels like it that this season in general, you know, he come, he goes into the NBA draft, he gets all this feedback, he comes back, that his kind of mindset is it's like a, this audition and he's got to showcase these certain things that will benefit him. And we don't really need any of that, like as a team, in, in my opinion. I mean, we just right. need him being a role guy, like he, catching the ball after maybe the third or fourth pass in the possession and then driving straight to the basket. With yeah. his left hand. Right. And occasionally shooting open threes. Yeah. Whereas he probably needs to show he can create by himself and shoot, make all these jump shots and make shots off the dribble. Yeah. Yeah. Do things like that where we don't need that. And our, we, we have good enough players at one, maybe there was probably a time in the season where it felt like we did need him to do that. Yeah. You know, Tennessee game, maybe, um, or, or that was, that's Providence. Um, but we we don't. I think it's clear we've got good enough players without him to to be effective, and so he kind of just needs to slide into this role of like rebounding, defending. Because there was a point in the uh, Kansas State game where he was guard he was guarding their five foot eight like electric point guard, and the guy tried to take him off the dribble, and Terrence just like stonewalled him, and he yeah. he backed out. Well, then in the same possession, Terrence gets put on a switch against their seven-foot guy, and they throw it down to him, and he tries to post him up and then decides not to and passes it out. I mean, that that part of Shannon's game, how versatile he is you know, defensively, is like – that's just like a cheat code almost. Yeah, well, that was exactly what you texted us when that happened. And I was going to say, like, as you have to get him in rhythm offensively because of what he can do on the defensive end. So I wonder if and, re- and on the glass. Yeah, he has, yeah. I mean, I think he has one rebound in 40 something minutes of playing Big 12. Wow. That seems I mean, almost impossible. It's terrible. Yeah. It's wow. terrible. So I guess I was going to ask you as we close up here, moving forward, probably by the time we record again, we'll have played West Virginia and Kansas. Like what what does success look like by the Just, time we record? Yeah. Win Saturday. And then you've that success because then you just have it's a total free roll of playing Kansas in Lawrence. It's the first big Monday game. And so, which I don't think is ideal. I think we'd rather have more time to kind of prepare for them. Yeah. Uh, but oh well, because it because it really there's nothing to lose. If you win that game, I mean, you've got kind of a stranglehold on this thing. You'd be two and zero against Kansas and you would have wins and in Waco and Lawrence. Yeah. I mean that is, um, I don't know many teams that have done that. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, but it, but that's the success is just winning Saturday because then yeah. it's just a, it's a free roll. What do you want to see like more specifically player wise? Like, do you want to see Shannon, you know, more integrated, more rebounds? You want to see O'Banner shoot better? Is there something like that you would like to see, or is it just win Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, I think you, you nailed those two things yeah. and, and winning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Those two things happen. I mean, but at some point it, we're good enough to where if a banner's making shots and Shannon is playing well, 
I mean, good luck. Good luck. Good luck beating us. Yeah. Well, the, and that was the last question I was going to ask is the rotation has like in a tight game. What is your like, we're like crunch time, last five minute type deal. Who's getting minutes for you? Man, do we is, have it is it totally matchup dependent? Yeah, I think like it's... other than a few spots, obviously. Um, you know, it's I don't know if it's that matchup dependent from from their personnel standpoint because we can you know we're pretty it doesn't matter like we play bigs when if people go small we still play bigs if they're if they have a bunch of big guys we still have the same lineup I think it's more dependent on the lead if we if we're winning or losing because if you're um, losing then you're going to see you're definitely going to see like O'Banner and Bryson and Arms and Warren and Shannon you know less Clarence and less Silva and less you know, Bacho type stuff. And when we're winning, you might see Bacho even in like the top last five minutes because he's doing really, he's great. You know, the lineups when he's playing are defending pretty well. Um, so that's probably what I would say, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I get nervous still when Shannon's on the floor because he, I feel <clears throat> he just never, it's almost like one of those things where when you play basketball, if you know, like what other people are going to do, it just like it helps tremendously. Um, and, and it just seems like you're never really sure what he's going to do. You know, yeah, he might take a quick shot or he might decide to drive and then like pass when you think, okay, he's going to try to lay it in. So there's, so somebody's going to crash and they're not where they were and he just like throws it away or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I get that like energy with him. So that makes me nervous. Yeah. I like while you were saying that though, I was thinking it might, I guess it's not a good thing, but, it's helpful, I guess. It's hard for the defense, though. It seems like to defend a guy like that, where you don't know <laughs> what he's. Yeah, gonna I agree, because he literally might take like a thirty footer. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, we're yeah. like down by one, we need like <laughs> only need two. You just yes, yeah. So I, I guess that's kind of a double edged sword there, but um, it's uh, it's good times around here. Uh, any, before, any football stuff? The I mean, you said uh, you know we were just I think. Oh, oh, I remember why Kitley retweeted a video of Shuck throwing. And yeah. you mentioned like the odds. Like if you were to take bets, you may have even said on Red Raider Sports for I think I could know, take a lot of people's money. That's yeah, uh, that's what you said on who would be the starting quarterback next year. Yeah. If I could set a line on who would win the fall quarterback job, Shuck would be such a massive favorite. And the the payout would be so big for Donovan or Barron. I think it would take those Donovan long shots. People would jump on that and I would take all their, I would win a bunch <laughs> fading, fading that action. Cause I, I just think there's no way Shuck doesn't win this job. No way. I would almost say that it's more likely that one of Barron or Donovan transfers before the season starts than it is that Shuck isn't the starter. Like, I think that's, those are closely, those, the chances of, are, are similar. What makes you so confident? Because I agree. I think that the chances are that Chuck starts, but I don't think I'm as confident as you are. Age. So it's like experience, age, just talent. <laughs> um, Cumbies evaluate Cumbies kind of the way he called plays for Donovan. Having watched Donovan play, um, you know, the Baylor game, 
Oklahoma State game, the first half of the Mississippi State game. Um, I, I just think there's uh, no way that he's – that Shuck – it's not – and it's it's more so about like Shuck – Shuck's going to have to lose the job during the season, you know? Right. And I guess, you know, chances are whoever starts is going to get hurt. So it's uh, – and there's, and there's also the transfer aspect of – if Donovan, if you give the job, if there's any indication that he's not going to be the guy, you know, it's probably in his best interest to go somewhere else too. And you toes, you prevent that from happening by playing him too. So it's just so many. I think he's the best. There's he's the oldest. He's played the most. You don't want to lose him. There's so many. Fa- you know, we're going to be throwing the ball a lot, and that's. I think he's got a better arm and, and is better suited to be doing that than Donovan. And Donovan, his skill set is such that you can kind of make him a specialty type player and, and still have him in, involved, you know, and, and get a lot of the benefits of having him if, yeah. even without him starting. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, because I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that Shuck is the best, but I do think like at this moment, he fits what Kitley wants to do the best. Um, like, I think if you just watch Kitley's offense, he can do what Sappy did basically better than anyone else on the roster. Um, it, the, my biggest problem with the reason, like, I don't think Shuck sees the field very well. And I think we saw that play out. Um, but I don't think in Kitley's offense, it matters. It, it's very similar. We saw what this same offense did for Alan Bowman. I mean, it made Alan Bowman look like an all Big 12 level player. And it's because you don't, it's, there's not, they make the reads very simple. And so I think that that will benefit Shuck mightily. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's true. So I don't know. I just, it, it is interesting though, because it's so weird. I like all three of those guys a lot. Like I like Shuck. I like what he brings to the table. I like Donovan. I, I like he like I I like the idea of Baron. Like what we saw the recruit. But there's just you know there's no way like all three of those guys are gonna be wearing the red and black. You know, so it's it's frustrating. Uh, I guess in meaningful games. Uh, but I guess that's just part of that's just part of it now. Um, but as my wife said before we before I got on here to record, I don't know why this was unprompted, but she said. I feel better about tech athletics now than I ever have. I don't know why. So it's not. <laughs> let's all let's have that attitude as we move forward. Um, but I think that, that's all I got. Same here. I, I will add. We uh, you you texted me earlier this week saying that we got a gift from a fan of the podcast, a musical gift. We did. We got and so. You can Someone explain it. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on the end of the uh, the podcast. So if you want to, yeah, yeah. So one, one of from, my here buddies, from here it's potable theme song. Keep listening. One of one of our listeners, one of our twelve listeners, submitted a, a possible intro song. Now, I liked it. It's, it's some self-deprecating, kind of making fun of us aspect yeah, of yeah. it, which I like. Sure. And uh, he, yeah, he used to when I was in in college. He played it like bar PM. Some I think on Spotify his name is Pappy Check. So, so, so look that up and, and let us know what you think uh, of this. And maybe maybe John Prine will get kicked out by Pappy Chick. So, all right. Well, we see you guys next week. If you 
are a big tech nerd But you walked into the spot From here it's potable These nerds nerd out a lot If you are a big tech nerd But you Walked into the spot From here Is potable These nerds These nerds nerd out a lot Go Taylor Go Hunter